0: This is the Neanderthals Destroyed Atlantis podcast, episode three, a review of Gemma Sharp's Sea Widow. Jenna Sharp's 2021 graphic novel, Sea Widow, is about the death of her husband, which occurred after only two and a half weeks of their marriage. The story focuses on the societal stigmas attached to age gap relationships, the seemingly timeless cultural and moral prejudices that destroy connections between family and friends, and the cruelty of random existence and its ends, how an unexpected death of a loved one is an amputation and violent severing. Commonly, the young female involved in age-gap relationships is stigmatized as a gold digger regardless of her intent, and the old male is labeled a pervert. These still relevant reductions dehumanize, but do so more viciously to women who are typically reduced to greedy, uncaring frauds, infantilized victims, or cunning manipulators. This isn't a generational prejudice. The old family members who appear in Sharp's descent into coma-like despair via scarring memories are truly awful, no doubt, because she also fears stealing rebuke from her peers, and more painfully from her husband's family. Sharp takes the time to clarify that she made sure her husband's will would leave everything to his family and nothing to her. It's as if the artist preempted readers all too common views about her marrying a 71-year-old, and felt obligated to do the same for her in-laws, making the two frames that deal with this the most rageful in the book. The biographical stand-in for Sharp, with eyes so large as to reach the edges of her face, and vitreous, delicately stippled and deep-set in a perfectly reductive cartoon face and body, is incapacitated by the death. The achingly loving way Sharp draws her husband Charles, in his coffin, back-turned, standing before the sea, saving lives in the Royal Navy lifeguard and beyond, across from Sharp at a cafe table, sharing an intimate gesture only the couple and the reader sees... Floating deep beneath the sea, wearing clothes he wore often, and holding out a lantern magically aglow underwater, slowly descending to a private room nestled in a mountainous stretch of reef, is proof alone of her emotional connection to him, words not being necessary. There is so much tenderness and impotent rage in these pages. Her husband's wake where she could no longer get refreshments an hour into it, exemplifying her overwhelming feeling that her connection to the deceased was considered less meaningful or important than his immediate family's. The hospital room where her vegetative post-stroke husband will spend his last minutes prostrate, staring and pointing at a wall clock. Him sitting on a curb in perfect drifter form, playing harmonica and guitar, wearing his groovy pinstripe pants and signature jacket and hat. Sharp reveals a lot about herself in deadpan confessional frames, adorned with beautifully and realistically rendered floating centipedes and beetles, an alcoholic parent, and all that that entails for the child. Lifelong self-hatred, resentment and struggles to find any stability and a previous age gap relationship when she was just 13. As the reader, we are not let off easily, because Sharp refuses to hide the fissures in her version of things. In a four-frame page towards the end, the protagonist showers and a tiny homunculus grows from her lower arm, detaches and tumbles downward through the tub drain and pipes of the water system, until being grasped by the hand of her deceased husband, who relaxes, dreams, and croons on his guitar in his abode, hidden in the depths of the sea. This book is literally a gift for him, and for Sharp as well, since it was her way out of years-long creative paralysis. The sea animals that appear throughout the story, jellyfish, starfish, octopus, aquatic plant life, and the black bug-eyed, multi fanged dwellers among the profoundest depths who would need no alterations to appear in horror movies, envelop the medical equipment in her husband's hospital room and gently move about his resting form, swallow up the protagonist as she sinks into the void of self-doubt, these seemingly incongruous juxtapositions and overlapping of realism and cartoon styles are interspersed and give form to the story, rather than act as non-sequiturs. There is no answer to why style vacillates, there is only the impact it has on the reader Sharp utilizes faux collage elements, three- and two-dimensional passages, objects and figures in a distinct described space, and others floating in the whiteness of the page and margin, jarring the reader's visual expectations, their ability to immediately grasp what's happening plot-wise, to squeeze as much emotional resonance from solitary images as possible. This is not surrealist dream imagery. The collage technique acts as a transition device, a way of jarring the reader through abject images of rot and decay, but in a larger way shows the complete lack of differentiation between objective and subjective imagery in our inner lives. There's no sense or sensibility to the way conscious imaging cycles while we are awake or asleep, and Sharp is keenly aware of this when making things that are modeled on the rhythm of her own conscious image play. Seeing narrative as a series of this Follows this and this follows that From beginning to end Sharp gives us information about events Feelings she had about events Critical self-analysis And we are brought from one point to another On a cavalcade of beautifully drawn frames and pages All in tribute to the inevitable abruptness of the end At least for the living she uses the power of observation to express ideas about imagery itself, and we recreate events without words, combining lifelong visual themes that loop erratically, recreations of things that just happened, things that are tangential to what just happened, a constant remaking of the ever-degrading present, confirmation of our true unknowing of the moment we think is the now. This is the story of the death of a beloved husband, and through all of its pain and rawness and honesty, there's an element of fantasy and redemption by the end. But the telling of the story itself was the only way forward for the author, as a memento mori, a way to transition from irretrievable loss as as self-stigmata, and perhaps even her lifetime of self-loathing and sabotage, to imagine a more just and beautiful ending for one so deserving and selfless, for one attached to the sea, the homunculus is either rising or falling in the last frame, being consumed by or fending off envelopment in the depths. All that's left is the artist's self-creation, and we all go to our brief room someday. You can buy Widow at JWebsterSharp.com.